Iowa everywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Iowa Everywhere. And now, it's time for Two Guys Named Chris. Powered by Fairway Meat and Grocery. This is Iowa Everywhere. For the fans. He's got a chance here to send this thing to overtime. Through the raindrops. He missed it. It's no good. And Iowa State is going to win it. And with that, we welcome you to Two Guys Named Chris on the Iowa Everywhere Network. I am not Chris Williams. I'm Brent Bloom filling in for Chris as he travels back from his vacation in North Carolina with Chris Hassel. And wow, Hassel, that was uh, that was something. That was. Hey, that I was did learn though that your, your middle name is Chris. Is that right? That, that is a fact. My middle name is in fact Christopher. So I feel like I'm a technicality. I can okay. fit in here. For today, so it's one guy named Chris and one guy with a middle name na- named Chris. <laughs> that's, that's, okay, good. Right. Yeah, um, great way to start the show. Great way to start the week. Recapping <laughs> the shit show. How you doing today, my friend? Oh, I, you know I'm all right. I honestly, I'm not any worse than I was at this point last week as as an Iowa fan. I mean, it it it, it was kind of just the same thing. It's just the result was different, and the result was what it should have been. An Iowa loss. Um, they should have. Uh, they, they they had no business winning that game because of uh, the decisions that uh, Kirk Ferentz has made. And, uh, you know, I, as I tweeted out, you play with fire, you get burned, you know. And they played with fire week one. Luckily, the, the ball went over the head of the receiver um, for South Dakota State. It would have been a touchdown. It might have been a 10-7 South Dakota State win in week one. Um, you, you just cannot continue to count on your defense turning the ball over, your special teams pinning the ball at the one-yard line and getting blocked punts, and your offense not turning the ball over because the offense is turning the ball over. That's the problem. That's the, right. It's not like Petrus is out there protecting the football. And I, you know that's what, that was struck me as a as an Iowa State guy. Is like that game was almost identical to the one last year. It was just that Iowa turned the ball over too. I mean, right. when, when when Iowa blocks that punt, it was like, okay, here we go again. Jairo Brock, and here's here's the first punt. And by the way, Iowa State. And I don't. So this was Tyler Perkins that punted this first one. Iowa State at one point subbed punters and then put Perkins back in. He got another one blocked. But at this point, everybody at Iowa State's going, "Here we go again." Blocking punts. We got short fields, and and I thought after this touchdown, I'm like, man, I I was offensive line looked pretty dominant, and it could be one of those games for Iowa State. But it, it turned right after this. Yeah, I think at that moment, Iowa goes up 7 nothing early in this game, and Kirk Ferentz, once again, just thinks, that's all we need to do offensively. Yep, do the bow. They're not going to be able to score a touchdown on us. There's no way they're going to be able to march down the field 99 yards and 20-plus plays. It's not going to happen. Well, it did. Iowa State made some big mistakes, but when it mattered the most, they made the plays. They methodically moved it down the field. And they had the better quarterback and won this game as as they should have. I mean, this was a this was not some kind of fluke. Right. Iowa State was the team that made more uh, mistakes with the two blocked kicks and the the two uh, turnovers. Basically, both of them in the, in end, zone. the end zone. Um, 
what can I, I, I kind of feel bad, I guess, for Iowa State fans because it's, I feel like the win has been overshadowed by just how awful um, things are going with the Iowa offense. And uh, it, it's, it's almost like, yeah, you won the game, but it was because the Iowa offense is the most anemic offense in the country and the most anemic offense we've ever seen. Uh, at Iowa, that, that's the, I, I've heard from some Iowa State fans that say, "Well, yeah, this is Iowa every year. This is what they do. They, yeah, they never have an level. offense, and this is how they've won games against Iowa State recently." But yeah, like you said, th- this is this is completely different. This is the worst offense in the country. They're ranked one thirty-one out of one thirty-one, and this is as bad of an offense as Kirk Ferentz has ever had, and it's not close. Look at that. I mean, they're, they're, what is that? Let me do the math here. They're 72 yards behind New Mexico State, who's 130th. Matt Van Winkle, our producer, is, is putting the numbers up on the screen if you're watching on Twitter and Facebook. Iowa is averaging 158 yards a game through two games. The next worst, <laughs> New Mexico State, 230 yards a game. They're not even close. And those numbers in this last game inflated a little bit by that last drive when they had to open things up and try to move the ball down the field. I, look, I, I said it on Saturday night that I, I, would, I would feel just as horrible right now, just as pissed off if Iowa had won that game. Had they stopped Iowa State from going 99 yards and, to win it. Because it's just not fun to watch. Like well, what, what was yeah was the former offensive lineman for Iowa was it Julian Vandervelde, who's yeah. from all accounts a really level-headed guy and very respected and from the eastern part of the state in Iowa. I mean, this tweet says something to me, and I was like, man, I saw this. So he's like, I I think Julian probably speaks for a lot of Hawkeye Nation right now. Yeah, and Julian was on some of the best Kirk Ferentz teams right. there were in the uh, you know oh eight oh nine. He tweeted, "This offense is a thief of joy." It is devoid of hope and sucks the love of football from my bones. And that's that's what I mean by even if they would have won this game, I'm not feeling good because I know Iowa can't compete against the Michigans and the Ohio States with this kind of output. We saw it last season. Sure, they won 10 games. Yes, great, awesome. But they could not compete with the best of the best. And when you don't win the turnover battle by three, you're not going to win right. football games. I think with that's, this kind of offense. That's the difference, at least for Iowa State in, in years passing inside when Iowa State lost the game. is like, well, a lot of them were turnovers or special teams errors, which largely are correctable. I don't see the correction for Iowa right now. Like, I don't know what you can do. And I think that has to be the most disheartening part. I mean, you can switch quarterbacks, and maybe that's what you do with, and put Padilla in there. But it just felt like to me, after that initial drive, for Iowa State, as a fan, you're going, yeah, Good luck, Iowa. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. that they could do. Like, you were not th- – Arlen Bruce is your best threat. That And he, he's not like you're getting up at night thinking about Arlen Bruce. And so until those guys get healthy – I mean, it, it got to a point, I think, for the Iowa State defense where they're like, all right, let's, yeah, there's no chance I was moving the ball. If we could just get to 10, we're going to win this game. And lo and behold, that's what happened. And that's why they can't run the ball because they know that – they're not going to throw the ball downfield. And when they do, Spencer Petrus isn't going to be able to complete the pass. Sometimes won't even be able to get the ball off. And so, um, I, you know, I've said to Chris Williams here on the podcast that I don't think it matters who Iowa's weapons are if, and when they get these other guys back, I really don't think it matters if you can't get on the ball in the first place. Um, I, I think that the only thing to do is to just try to make a drastic change. And I think that change has to be uh, at the quarterback position, whether it's Padilla, and we saw him last year, whether yep. it's Labus. At this point, though, like if you're not going to make a change after the first half of game one, if you're not going to make a change after game one, if you're not going to make a change midway through last game, when you know you're, you're, re- you're really still riding with Spencer Petrus, when you know you've got to put some points on the board to win that game, down 10-7, you're still riding with Petrus. After everything we've seen in the first game, game and a half, game and three quarters, still went with him in the fourth quarter, why are you going to make a change now? What's different? Kirk Ferentz said 
he, he stopped short of saying Petrus was still going to be the starting quarterback going into next week. And he said, if a change needs to be made, they're going to make it, which is different than what he said last. Last mm-hmm. week, he basically said, we are sticking with our guy. I feel like there might be a change this week, but I, I just, Brent, I don't, I don't understand what's, what's changed. Like if they, if they still thought Petrus was going to be able to lead them to a comeback victory against Iowa State after everything we saw before that and all of last season, why now? I, I get it. Yeah. So who, who's to blame then? Because I mean, I, I feel bad blaming Spencer Petrus, and he was not good Saturday at all. I mean, and again, yeah, you guys were talking about it with with on this show with Chris that man, he's just firing it over people's heads and throwing fastballs at nine thousand miles an hour. But they keep putting him out there. So is it is it is it Spencer? I, I took a couple shots at Brian Ferentz and his nine hundred thousand a year salary, but ultimately. Kirk's the guy, right? I mean, it all starts. It all starts there. He's had multiple offensive coordinators in, in similar situations. Maybe not, ne- never this bad, but but does does it start and end with Kirk? To me, it does because he's the one pulling all the strings. He's the one who put Brian Ferentz in that position and continues to keep him there despite um, historically bad offenses year in year out. I mean, you look at the offenses since 2017 when Brian Ferentz went in as the offensive coordinator in, in Iowa is one of the worst power five teams out there. And in an era where offense is, is becoming um, a, a lot more, you know, you need an offense if you're going to win. You can't even Alabama, Nick Saban changed, right? Absolutely. I mean, they were winning games nine, six, that first year or two that he was at Alabama and, and they were winning titles. He knew that things needed to change. And now, they're one of the highest scoring teams in the country. And I get that's Alabama. That's totally different. The recruiting is different, but the, it begins and ends with Kirk Ferentz. And I think he's just been, um, you know, way too stingy in his ways. He is just defiant at at this point in keeping Spencer Petrus on the field. I, I don't, I don't personally blame Spencer Petrus. He's doing everything he can. He can't get the job done. Brian Ferentz has been a lightning rod, and I and I get it. But Kirk put him in that position. Right. If you think Brian Ferentz is the one making all these decisions, you're wrong. Kirk Ferentz is the one who's doing all of this. And that's why he deserves all the blame. Now, Kirk Ferentz is going to go down as one of the greatest figures in Iowa sports history Yep, for everything he's already accomplished. I think he deserves a statue outside that stadium before it's all said and done. Everything he's done for the university, for the hospitals, how generous he is, what a great man he is. And respected by everybody in the state, by the way. Yes. Not that matters, but he is. But this all falls on him. He, he, he is to blame for what is going on and it goes all the way to recruiting and why would you want to come to Iowa and as a, as a wide receiver, as an offensive skill player outside of an offensive lineman, a tight end, maybe a running back, what draws you to Iowa? And that's been a problem for the last five years, but I, it's going to grow exponentially now that this offense is the national laughing stock. I mean, these first two weeks, you turn on whether it's CBS Sports HQ, whether it's College Football Live, whether it's X national radio show or podcast, the punchline is the Iowa offense and Spencer Petrus and Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz. What's that going to do to recruiting? Now, somehow they landed a, a, a quote-unquote four-star dual-threat quarterback. Yeah, the kid from the Florida last night. Yeah. And look, th- that's great and all. And, and I think that there are kids out there, and, and his name is James Reeser, six foot four, 199 pounds, class of 24. You're like a 10'8", 100? He's a fast kid. And it's yeah. surprised, like, what, did he did – he, commit and I was just going to move him to uh, Gunner on the punt team or what, <laughs> right. what what's he is he really going to be a dual threat quarterback yeah I've never seen um, such a thing. first one since Brad Banks right right but 
looking into it a little bit more, he's a four-star according to 24-7 sports. But the national composite, which compiles all of the rankings and averages them out, have him as a three-star. My friend Andy Fails always says, when we're talking recruiting and we hear about some guy that has just signed to go to Iowa or Iowa State, the first thing I want to do is I want to hear the other schools that offered him. Here they are. You, you think four-star, oh, wow, dual-threat quarterback. Yeah, wow. from Florida. Okay. Yeah. Did, did Florida, Florida offer him? State? Did, did Florida State? Did Miami? No. Here are the offers that he had. Indiana, okay. Mm-hmm. Georgia Tech, ACC team, mm-hmm. bad ACC team. Agreed. Wake Forest, yeah. Wake Forest is a top twenty-five team. They've yep. had some good quarterbacks. They're, That's probably great. the most They've... impressive team on the list. Yes. The other two, Toledo, and Georgia Southern, which will make Nebraska fans blood boil <laughs> after what we saw last week. But look, Wake Forest, Indiana, Georgia Tech, Georgia Southern, Toledo. Maybe he ends up being great. I don't know. Um, it's it's not always about and, and Kirk Ferentz has always been someone where you don't look at you know the stars They're and all, you right. don't look at the other schools that have offered him. But but those are offensive linemen. Those are tight ends. Those are defensive linemen, linebackers, quarterbacks. I don't know. I mean, because because with Iowa, it does. Jake Christensen was a four star quarterback. Right. Petrus was a highly rated quarterback. And still, I mean, it's not like Kirk Ferentz hasn't gotten good quarterbacks. Brad Banks, Ricky Stanzi. Yeah. Drew Tate Drew was a great player. All those Bethard, guys have been CJ gone Bethard. for a decade plus. Yeah. Bethard, was, Bethard was the best of the last decade. But I, I, would, I will say that, you know, if I'm, if I'm somebody that's, that's like that, if I'm a high school kid and – you know, I, I'm either a dual-threat quarterback or I'm a highly-rated quarterback. If you could come to Iowa, Spencer Petrus was a three-star, by the way. Okay. Three-star composite. You if you could come to Iowa and and be the quarterback and actually do something with it, you would be a hero. Scott Sipker would end up making a, a documentary <laughs> about you 40 years down the road. But also, are you are you willing to take that chance? Because even if you are, yeah, uh, a good quarterback who comes to Iowa, if you don't perform well in practice, you're not going to see the field. And, and, and your 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 Padilla statement from last week just keeps popping in my head. That is, is he missing a limb or something? Like, how bad? <laughs> Is Padilla in practice that because he played okay last year, right? Went three and zero as a starter. Yeah, he was. What, he, he didn't light the world great. on fire. He was different than than Petrus, much different. He was yeah. he, he was mobile, and I think that's the thing that just right me. now might help. Yeah, I, I agree. A mobile quarterback who can get out of these the offensive line is not performing well once again. Petrus uh, retook the the starting job at the end of last season because Padilla was not good. Uh, in the last game of the year, and they were getting the doors blown off by Nebraska. They insert Petrus back into the game. Iowa, what do you know, comes up with a block punt and scores a touchdown, yeah. gets back in the game, and they end up winning that game with Petrus, and that's why Padilla has been on the sidelines ever since. I- I'm stunned that he stayed in the offseason, and at this point, like, <laughs> I mean, I-, I saw a shot of the the Iowa backup quarterback's late in that game, wearing the red hats, relaying the signals. And they looked, I I know it was raining and they were losing, but they looked lifeless. Imagine being Being that. Yeah. A backup quarterback behind Spencer Petrus, where you still haven't been given a chance. I mean, how do you, how do you wake up each day and go to practice? Maybe that's the problem where, (laughs) and I, when are we going to stop talking about how guys are performing in practice with this team? Like, who gives an F? I can't remember who it was. One of the Iowa players was asked after the game about 
you know, the booze for Spencer Petrus. And I give him credit. He defended his guy. You know, he defended his teammate. But again, the first thing he said was, you should see the way he performs in practice. You should see what he Fans don't care. Right. That doesn't right. matter. You don't get wins from practice. You don't. That doesn't – it might help you in a game if you can actually take those things that you do in practice into a game. Clearly, Spencer Petrus can't do that. And uh, I can't believe we're sitting here a week later after that mess we saw in week one and we're still talking about the same things. I'm not surprised at all we're talking about a loss. And that's why uh, both Chris Williams and myself picked Iowa to lose this game. Yeah, and really, I mean, if you just look at the stats of the game, it, it was pretty one-sided. And, you know, if, if Iowa State doesn't have two punt blocks and then two turnovers in the end zone, that's probably what, you know, 20 to 7, 20 right. to 3. And, and Iowa fans three. will say, yeah, but we fumbled on the goal line too, and that should have been a touchdown yeah, if, that, if there that, was a good angle on it, yeah. whatever. But that was one mistake at the goal line. Iowa State made two mistakes in the end zone and had two punts two blocked. blocked. How did, yeah. I, I, I'd you love, can't win a game that way, by the way. I, I'd love to see a stat on teams that have two punts blocked in the same game and then have two red zone turnovers in the it's same game. No chance. And what their record is. Yeah, no chance. It, it, interestingly, the last time Iowa State turned the ball over three or more times on the road and won a game was in Kinnick 10 years ago <laughs> in 2012. Which was, that the, Jake was not, uh, the Jake not interception game. Yes, 9-6. Nine, 9-6. Six. Nine, nine, six. Six. Yeah. It's a very similar game. You know what's it, weird to me about this this rivalry is, you know, punchline all these years has been about Iowa State and field goal kicking. I swear, like, every single Iowa State win the last 15 years <laughs> has come down to a kick, and it's always gone Iowa State's way. Brett Culberson in 07. Yeah. Um, you had the the field goal uh, eight s- seven years ago, the last Cole, Iowa State win. Yep, Cole Netton. Netton hitting that. Now this week with Petrus or uh, uh, Iowa missing the the field goal after Petrus quasi led them down the field. Thanks. Yeah, to with some, the, with a very questionable penalty. Yeah, ridiculous head. calls. Uh, <laughs> the field goal going wide left for Iowa. It's really Iowa State. That's interesting. Yeah that has come up on the better end of the field goal head-to-heads with Iowa. And also, there's something about Kinnick Stadium. Iowa State plays better at Kinnick Stadium. I mean, that's the last the last three Iowa State wins in this series are all at Kinnick Stadium, that, correct? That's true. Yes. Yes. And in fact, if you look at you know Iowa State's most road victories at, a, at an away opponent, it's, it's Kansas and Iowa Jeez. in the last... 20 years but it is something that you're right i mean interestingly the kicks kicks are a punchline for iowa state but really if you look at the history in the last three years since the resurgence iowa state's made game winners against texas against iowa Mm -hmm. and texas has missed a big kick in 2020 against iowa state you saw iowa miss that kick uh on saturday so the kick maybe the kicking is going going back in iowa state's favor the punting clearly not got to figure that out if you're I want to ask you though, as a as an Iowa State guy, I mean, h- how are you feeling? I, great, like I and I I understand that I think the story of the game is Iowa's ineptitude offensively. I mean, it was that is as bad. I've been going to Iowa State games in person for the last 15 years. That was as bad of offensive performance as I have seen from an opponent. I mean, the SEMO quarterback was way more effective. At least he could run around a little bit and make a play. And you had the threat of that. The the UNI quarterbacks in years past, Will McIlvain, who was a kid at Des Moines Lincoln, at least he would run around and you know play a little backyard football and at least give you the threat that he could make something happen. After the first quarter, there was no threat for Spencer Petrus. And it was actually just – it was very frustrating as an Iowa State fan. It was like, here we go again. We're going to dominate stats. Mm-hmm. It looks like Iowa State, at least offensively, is, is much better, and yet – Obviously, it's going to lose again to these guys because, as our old saying is, Iowa lives in a tree and nobody can touch them up there. <laughs> but but figured it out finally. And that drive will and that drive is the story for Iowa State. I mean, 99 yards, 21 plays, 12 minutes. It's the best drive I've ever seen an Iowa State team make. The fact that you're backed up in Kinnick, which is a really hard place to play in that end zone, 
and made it all the way. I think five third down conversions on that. Hunter Deckers was great. And it just was kind of that statement drive for Iowa State of finally you can get over this hurdle of this Kirk Ferentz, Matt Campbell thing. And rest assured, Iowa State had was all in on this game. You know, Matt can say, hey, you know, it's only the second game of the season. We're 2-0. and There was a lot of focus put on this game. Iowa State changed a lot of what it did from week one to week two. If you talk to some folks in Ames, during the summer, this was a targeted game. They, they had a specific game plan for this game. And if they would have lost this game, it would have been completely dejected because it would be the same thing over and over again. But the fact that you turn the ball over three times, have two pump blocks, and win the game, I actually think that's a great sign for Iowa State going forward because they, they, they battled adversity, found a way to win. And I thought controlled both lines of scrimmage, which is super positive. Iowa State was able to run the ball too. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't perfect, but really second through fourth quarter, Jaira Brock got going and Iowa State was able to control things and was a big reason they had that, that big drive because Iowa couldn't just sell out on Deckers. So I feel good. I, Long story short, I feel. I mean, it wasn't the prettiest thing. I don't care. I mean, at that point, a win, a win for Iowa State over it Iowa. Doesn't, is, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. When you're playing Iowa, it does not matter just if get it's the, get the dub. If and it's I, pretty. And back to that 2012, Iowa State's two and zero for the first time yeah. now in ten years. Like this yeah. is a. It's. I mean, it's hard to believe all the success still haven't been two and zero in the last ten years. Yeah, and and how about that? The final scores were almost identical. Identical. Ten, ten years ago, they won nine six, and they hit a field goal. Uh, to, to win it a couple years later, but yep. in in 2012, nine six. This year, ten seven. Uh, and now, I mean, if, if if I'm an Iowa State fan, I'm starting to get really excited because sure. you know this week you've got you know it's kind of a quasi okay let's let's get right let's get set up for Big Twelve play. You got Ohio coming in. That's going to be a win. That should be it. You know, maybe Favorite not as bike. easy as Semo, but it, right. it should be okay. And then here comes Baylor, huge game and. Baylor, the last last year's winner, the preseason favorite to win it. You win that, and all of a sudden, then you've got Kansas. Then you're home against Kansas State. Then you go to Texas, you know, Man. and and, yeah. and you're yep. hosting um, Texas Tech's coming to town. Oklahoma you're hosting there. Oklahoma. Yep. Uh, the schedule sets up now. I mean, now that they they broke through and they won this game, this this could be the year that Iowa state finally hits that 10 win mark. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, it's, it's interesting you say that because Iowa state hasn't started four and oh since 2000. And that was the last team that won nine games in their, well, I guess the COVID team won nine games as well. Kind of forget about that. They would have won 10 if they would have played Iowa two years ago, I think. But anyway, hmm. um, it is, it is, I, it's hard to get too excited. Cause it's like, man, you know, still a lot of things to clean up, but I do think, Deckers, I would love your opinion on Hunter Deckers because I was very – now, I know he had the two mistakes. He had the two interceptions. I think one of them, the receiver ran the wrong way, which nothing you can do about that. But his poise in a tough atmosphere in Kinnick. And mm. I know we've been saying all along that he's got some arm talent that Brock Purdy never never did have. But, man, he was impressive in Kinnick. And that's two games in a row where – I think Iowa State really has something in Hunter Deckers. I, I totally agree, and we've talked about it on this podcast. Uh, we played the clip from Josh Pate from the Late Kick podcast uh, about how he thinks that Deckers is going to be better than Brock Purdy and that and we've talked about how his ceiling is absolutely higher than Brock Purdy's, and that's not taking anything away from Brock. He was solid all the way through, but – yes. Um, I, I think Deckers can do more. And yeah, that drive, he, he, there were several times on that drive where he had to make a play and every single time he did. And I think that Iowa thought there's no way, there's no way that they're going to be able to go five for five on third down. There's no way he's going to be able to make this pass against this defense. And time and time again, he did it. He showed poise. He didn't get rattled. Even though he did have those two interceptions, he totally put that out of his mind clearly and led that team on, as you said, a drive that will go down in Iowa State lore. I mean, th- will. that will never be forgotten. Nope. 99 I- yards in 20-plus plays in that stadium against that defense. Wow. Yeah, I mean, he's he becomes – you know, instantly, and the stat line isn't great. 
Matt Van Winkle just pulled it up for us. 25 of 38, 184 and a touchdown. Those two interceptions only did get sacked one time though. And so I got to give, you know, the Iowa state offensive line. That was a huge concern coming in. Didn't play. Was great that the first one. drive of the game? I think it was. Yes, it was. It was that very it was first, the first drive. drive of the game on third down. He yep. got sacked and never got sacked again. And, and it was like, Oh gosh, here we go again. I, I mean, every Iowa state fan, I mean, it was cycle on Twitter after that block punt it was like, okay, just give it to me now. Like bend over. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but figured it out. I thought the line played great. And I will say, I think the difference maker in this game, the line was great for Iowa State. But Iowa State had the best skill player on the field in Xavier Hutchins. No question. And time and time again, he was the difference. Because Decker's, De- he's, he's Decker's guy. And, and when Decker's needed to make a throw, it was always to X. And Iowa just doesn't have an X. They just don't have one. I mean, flat out. Maybe Keegan Johnson will get there. I don't know. I don't know what, what his situation is right now. But Iowa's X is now on Purdue, right? Like, oh, I mean, Charlie Charlie Jones could have been could have been a guy, and he's already you've already put in. I'm, I'm sorry to bring up your tweet, but Charlie Jones is Iowa's X. Like, if they had one th- one more threat to make you think twice, that offense could be at least a little bit more competent. I would say Charlie Jones through two games, 286 receiving yards, four touchdowns. Iowa's whole <laughs> offense through two games, 316 total yards. One touchdown. Jones with four touchdowns. Iowa with one measly touchdown. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, fans will say, yeah, well, you know what? Iowa and Purdue both have the same record. And Iowa doesn't have a Big Ten loss. So he made the wrong. No, he he went there. Sure. I think he probably did get a better NIL position at sure. Purdue. And, and that's one of the things he was looking for. But also, you think that he would... What, what do you think his numbers would be right now if he was on the Iowa team? What's Arlen Maybe Bruce two had? catches? Yeah, I mean... In two, Arlen. three catches for 17 yards? I mean, maybe he would re, he, Maybe he would have returned to punt, punt for a touchdown. That could have been the difference, right? Maybe, yeah. Um but you go there, he's trying to set himself up for his future, whether it's uh, w- the money he can make right now or his potential NFL prospects. And I've heard people say, well, yeah, the NFL will find you anywhere. You know, it, No matter where you're at, the NFL will find you, even if you're uh, on a bad team in a bad offense. The NFL knows who he is now because of the numbers that he's putting up. And he would have been completely buried in this Iowa offense in his pro career might have been buried as well. I have no issues with what Charlie Jones did. He he clearly made the right choice. So that brings up a question because I think this is an interesting point for the Cyhawk series. I don't know if the series will continue past three or four years. However, just looking, if you're an outsider, you've got one coach who's 66 years old and is signed up through 2029 and the offense is doing 160 yards per game. You've got another coach who is in his early 40s. It seems like Iowa State's a program on the rise, a lot of youth and energy, now wanted by other programs. Okay, so that's another factor. The the Nebraska stuff we're going to get into here momentarily. But what program, you know, if you're a recruit, if you're a receiver or running back, I get the offense and defensive lines. Like the any defensive player, I mean, Iowa is elite. And again, really impressed. The Van Trees kid was was incredible on yeah. Saturday. Another Another great story. But, you know, if you look at the, the trajectory of these programs, could you say one is, is you know, I, would, I don't want to say old-fashioned, but Kirk signed up for till 2029, and his buyout is $42 million at this point. He's not going anywhere. So what he's is He's not going to, anywhere until he decides he's until, going to. Right, exactly. And, and, and that would be retirement, and I think he would hope that they would hire Brian right. Ferentz as the head coach. I, I don't – if – if nothing, if things don't change drastically, I don't see any way that's possible. But, but yes. so if you're if you're a if you're an offensive recruit that both are going after, I mean, where do you go right? If you're now? a skill position player. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to Iowa State, and that's what I'm saying is like th- until they figure this offensive thing out, it's not going to only hurt them this year, right? But it's going to continue to hurt them into the future because th- 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 players are smart. They see Charlie Jones leave and then go be really successful. They see the you, they see Xavier Hutchinson putting up, you know, the best numbers in the Big Twelve at an in-state school. Where would you want to go? 
And I think that's the question now that they're going to have to figure out is, yeah, you can always recruit offensive linemen. And, and Tyler Lindebaum's a first-round pick and is going to cash in for a lot of years in the NFL. And they got the the kid from Southeast Polk who's going to be a stud. I mean, the guy is incredibly athletic for his size. And Caden Proctor. Oh, oh, the other, yeah. Right. The, other, the other five-star. But, <laughs> but it, it, until you start moving the ball and getting those skill guys, it's – I don't know. I mean, I just I wonder about the trajectory of both when you consider the the youth of one program, the the you know the the so called rise, and then you've got Kirk and and the offense getting 160 yards per game. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to hurt recruiting even more for for Iowa the way things have gone so far this season because uh, any kid who even puts Iowa in his top ten or whatever, they're going to say what. Well, and they, I'm talking they, any kid that's a skill position player, yeah. a wide receiver, a quarterback. They are top 10 nationally in recruiting rankings right now, I believe, from the 247 for, for which, next year. For next year. For next year, they have a pretty good class. Yeah. But uh, again, a lot of those are, they're not skill position players. Gotcha. On offense. Um, and, and and they are doing a good job recruiting. Um, they, they've got a good team together on the recruiting trail. But kids watch the game they know the bottom line and when they see that you're going to keep riding with with an incompetent quarterback and I don't mean incompetent from a mental standpoint I mean from a physical standpoint and there might be a mental block there that's part of it but if you're going to be that stubborn and not give somebody else a chance that's also something I think you say what you want about it Kirk has been very loyal very loyal but at some point that works against you and it's it's these kind of situations where it works against you. And and as you said, kids see that. It's like, wow. So if I'm if I'm a young guy in there and I'm and I've got more potential than whoever is out there at whether it's quarterback or wide receiver, he's not gonna give me a chance. Unless I light the world on fire and practice. Right. right. And some people just aren't practice people. They, they things change when you're in the game. And clearly things change for Spencer Petrus. But how many times are we going to go over this now? How many times? I mean, what is the stat now? It's uh, the last eight games. Petrus has one touchdown and nine interceptions, interceptions. I believe. Yeah, maybe. And that doesn't count all the fumbles he's lost. Right. And all the sacks he's taken because he's a statue in the pocket. And he had another strip sack that Iowa State recovered that was nullified by a penalty. Mm-hmm. So it could have been another one at the end of the game. Eh, so, yeah, yeah I, I think that this is really going to uh, affect Iowa's ability to convince a uh, a, a top-level or even mid-level wide receiver to come into this program and be a playmaker when there are mm-hmm. no plays to be made because of who might be playing quarterback and because of who might be calling the plays. Um, I, I do want to play the uh, a quote from Kirk Ferentz after the game. I know Matt Van Winkle has that teed up and ready to go when he was asked about Spencer Petrus's play. Go ahead and yeah, roll I guess, that. Uh, you know, to me, both these games, he's still not getting enough help to really do a fair assessment. Uh, he hasn't been perfect, obviously. Nobody has. Uh, but we got a lot of moving parts right now on offense, and then we're you know, shorthanded a little bit at a couple positions. So we'll keep working through it. And we'll talk about it tomorrow, and you know, see what happens moving forward. Is Spencer for sure your week three starter? No, I didn't say that. I just said today he played the the whole game. Uh, in my judgment, it was the best way to continue through this game, and uh, you know, gave it some thought. But it felt like it was our best opportunity, and uh, you know, but we'll reassess everything tomorrow. Again, as I said earlier, if you thought he was the best, gave you the best chance to win that game, what then what changes? But I, I want to focus on the first part of what he said, which was uh, that basically what he's saying is is that there were no plays to be made, that um, there are so many things wrong that it doesn't matter who's out there at quarterback. But that goes completely against what Brian Ferentz said before in, in the lead up to this game last week it, Jeff writes somehow Kirk will not stand for turnovers from anyone but Spencer Petrus it's just incredible and that's I, I felt the same way too it's like for all these years preaching you know Don't hang turn on it to over. the football yeah. uh, value the football if you do that 
even if you don't throw touchdown passes or do anything flashy, you stay in the game. But Petrus, Petrus is good for at least one interception and maybe one lost fumble a game. Uh, but going back to what Kirk said and how it does not mesh with what Brian said, Brian Ferentz last week said that the plays were there, that the quarterback had opportunities to make plays, and for whatever reason, they weren't made. And then hmm. Kirk comes out after this game and says basically the exact opposite. Interesting. That there were no plays to be made. So uh, is there a disconnect between Kirk and Brian? I don't know. I, I, it, at this point, it's a total guessing game. But everything is a mess right now. I agree with what Kirk said. Like, the offensive line has not been good. The, the running game has not been there. But how can you expect the offensive line to blow holes open for a running game when the opposing team and the opposing coaches aren't idiots? Nope. They know that you can't throw the ball, so they're, they're going to stack the box, they're going to prepare for the run, and they're going to make you try to throw. And you keep trying to run into a wall, it's not going to work. And when it's an obvious passing down, and they know you got a statue back there, they're pinning coming their ears you. back, they're coming yep. for you, they're going to put pressure on Petrus, and he good things are not going to happen for no. Iowa. So I, I think moving forward, based on what Kirk said, I think they will make a quarterback change. Now, hmm. I thought there was a 99% chance they'd make a quarterback change in the middle of the first game, and I thought there was a better than 50% chance they'd make a quarterback change in the middle of this last game against Iowa State. But reading into what he said, knowing Kirk, I, I, I think that they know right now that a change has to be made. I, I just think from the psyche of everybody involved, you have to do it. I mean, what you would see, you know, the, the the dumb cliche, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. I thought of that quote, whether it's made up and it's <laughs> Albert right. Einstein or not. Yeah. I thought of that quote so many times throughout these first two games <laughs> because that's exactly what Iowa is doing, doing and, the same damn thing over and over again and expecting a different result. What the F? It's been it's been a year now. Like when when is when is Spencer Petrus's last? you know, solid outing, would you say? And again, I don't I don't think it's all his fault, but I think for the psyche of everybody involved, you just may just have to try something different or else as this season could really spiral in a negative way. And then, then you wonder if the defense starts sniping at the offense and, you know, yes. other issues. Because you're going. wasting this defense again. Oh, I mean, they're, they're elite. Defense. They Last year, phenomenal. Yes. they were elite. And sure, they, they won 10 games, but they also lost four. And they weren't competitive in several of those losses. Like, like not competitive at right. all. Like, got, got their ass kicked. Chris, if, if Iowa has an average offense. That's the, team, that's the thing this, that Iowa fans. It's not even fans, a good offense. It's that's why we're so pissed off. Yeah. We're not asking for, like, a, a, a no. you know, a spread offense that goes and scores 50 points a game. We're asking for an offense that can put up 24 a game. You put up 24 points a game, a lot of games with that right. defense, with that special teams, you have a chance to compete for everything. Absolutely. Because then then the, what happens is your defense will get to because I we've seen this at Iowa State. The defense can can hold up for so long, but then they get so dejected when they realize, "Oh gosh, a team scored 10 points." And then they get down, and then it adds up, and then it just mm -hmm. becomes this vicious cycle. And I don't know. I, luckily, Nevada coming to town, maybe things can get right. They better. Nevada is a, a, a terrible team. They're not right. good. They're not. They, good. They, they're not the team that they were the last few years. They have a new coach. This should right. be, well, South Dakota State should have been easy, but it wasn't. Um, you're listening to two guys named Chris, presented by Fairway. Um, Chris Williams flying back today. First thing he's going to do is probably go to Fairway. He's, he's blown away by how bad the grocery stores are <laughs> out here on the East Coast, and it's true. Um, but I, going back to you know, the, the quarterback position. And you you said even that SEMO quarterback was a hell of a lot better than Spencer Petrus. He, he at least could run the ball and make you afraid that you might get a first down that way. Brent, I call games in Conference USA and the American Conference and the Mountain sure. West every week. And every team, nine out of ten games, every team, has a much better quarterback than Iowa does. This is in 
Conference USA. We're talking. Uh, I just saw a kid last week for Charlotte, a redshirt freshman, mm-hmm. throw two touchdowns in his very first start against Maryland, a Big Ten team. Spencer Petrus's numbers are pathetic. I mean, in this day and age, you want your quarterback to be throwing somewhere between, mm, you know, 60 and 70%. And the yes. best quarterbacks are over 65%. Yes. Closer to 70. Spencer Petrus is 45% this season. And you think about the throws that he's making. I mean, these aren't 20 yard throws, these are swing passes, That's these the are thing. quick right. outs, these are passes that should be completed over 70% of the time. So he's, he's, 45%, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. He's lost some fumbles. He's been sacked three times. Somehow, I don't know how, but somehow his quarterback rating went up in that game against Iowa State. Remember his quarterback rating was like 1.1. Now it's like 3.4. It went up in that game. It, it What baffled me in that game is – I, we all saw the video this summer, you know, in, at the Manning camp. When he's I'm so sick of that crap. That, that, we've heard that garbage for the last two years. But then they, but so you have this big guy. He has a huge arm. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but sure. they don't. They yeah. don't. They don't throw it down the field. I don't think they threw a ball over 20 yards on Saturday. So then, what's the point? If the guy can't make a short throw, he can't run. They're not throwing it deep. Then I don't know. It just. It just something's completely broken there. And they they just think that, you know what, we get one break, we get one touchdown, which they did in that opening drive after the bad, you know, the blocked punt. Just hold on. They really think that, that that's going to be it. That's the it. defense is going to be able to and, – and, and sometimes the defense is going to be able to hold the team out of the end zone like they did against South Dakota State. But, so does this, does this change your perspective on the season? I know you said either way, even with a win, you were not going to be pleased on Saturday. Mm-hmm. What, so what going you- into the season, uh, I think we did our predictions and both Chris Williams and myself saw eight, maybe yep. nine wins for Iowa. And Chris asked me the same thing after last week. Do you change um, the outlook? Do you change your win total? And I said, I said, no, if a change is made. I said, gotcha. if a change is not made, I see five wins. And I still feel the same way. If a change is not made, I don't think this team gets bowl eligible. Wow. I think they would beat Nevada no matter what. I think they would probably beat, you know, uh, maybe a Northwestern, maybe a Rutgers. But you're not beating Michigan. You're not beating Ohio State. You're not beating Purdue. You're not beating Wisconsin. You're not beating Minnesota. And you're probably not beating Nebraska. If, If you stick with Spencer Petras. Got it. I think if the quarterback change is made, and it will be made, I, I think this week, um, at the very least, I think they, they might go into that game saying, "All right, this is kind of a see how it goes with Padilla or Labus. Let's against a, a bad team." Something. Yeah, I mean, try Why something. Not? Why you got to try something yeah. different? Right? Damn it, <laughs> Jesus! So I, I, I'm I'm gonna say, I had <laughs> Iowa losing this game anyway, even going into the season. I, I had them losing this game. I thought it, it was I thought Deckers was going to be a difference and Iowa State without all of the expectations was going to finally be able to get it done. And and they did. Not exactly the way I thought, but they did. I, I would say if if you make a quarterback change, you still have a chance to win eight or nine games hmm. because now granted this this backup quarterback makes a difference. Okay. I mean, if a backup yeah, quarterback comes the in and they're thing. still, they're still refusing to throw the ball downfield and they're it still trying to run into nine man fronts. It, it's not going to change things, but this defense is elite. The special teams is elite. Maybe not the field goal kicker, but your punter and your punt block Coverage, unit. I mean, right. Who blocks two punts in a game? I know. So I still think there's a chance to save this season, but you, you, you've got to make a change now, right now. And you can't just, you can't make that change and say, all right, 
Padilla, we're going to give you this one chance. And if you make one mistake, we're taking you out of this game and you're done. You know, you got to say, all right. It's yours. We're going to try something new. We're going to open things up. You do your thing. You scramble. You buy time. You make the throw. We'll throw it downfield a little bit. We'll open up the running game with some passes down the field. And let's go. I, I think that's what needs to be done, even though that's kind of, uh, as I mentioned earlier, that's kind of uh, goes against what you would think would happen. I mean, if you didn't make a change week one or week two, why are you why doing now? it now? Well, because there's still 10 games left, I guess. I mean, it's, it's still really early in the season. Yeah, and conference play hasn't started. I mean, that, that's okay. Let's go there. So the Big Ten West had an awful, oh awful day. Oh, my God. Which oh. A, awful day. Which, which begs the question, Iowa could still win the Big Ten West. Right. Yeah, I think I think the West is totally up for grabs right now. I would say Purdue might be the best team, really, and and, and they started with a loss right against Penn State. So so that that's why uh, I, I might not pick them at this point to win it because they're, they they're have kind of starting from yeah from the bottom because they lost to Penn State. It wasn't a divisional loss, but it's still a Big Ten loss, and that hurts. Right now, who Minnesota hasn't you know they haven't lost. Iowa and Wisconsin were the two favorites. And then after that, it was kind of maybe Minnesota, maybe, maybe Nebraska, um, Northwestern. It's a, it's a horrible division this year. I, I don't know what happened to Wisconsin. I mean, they were 18-point favorites against Wazoo and lost at home. I mean, that's the thing. is, I mean, it could have been a really good day. But instead, I mean, look at look at this. Hey. Northwestern is is on top of the division at one and zero because they beat Nebraska. Northwestern just lost to Duke <laughs> as a ten point favorite. But Minnesota probably right now is is feeling the best out of all these teams in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, Illinois, Purdue, Nebraska all all no, have all a have Big losses. Ten loss. Wisconsin, I, I think. Even though they lost, that wasn't a Big Ten loss. They they still have every bit of an opportunity to win this division. But uh, this is it. Kind of reminds me of when when uh, Missouri joined the SEC and the SEC East was so bad. Oh, just a cluster. They were right. winning the division. It, it kind of reminds me of that. So let's and, let's. What do you think about Nebraska? Obviously, the big story today in college. Well, football. when Campbell goes there, I think they have a chance to be a, a really good program, Brent. <laughs> it's an interesting so because I was I got a lot of texts from people last night is would Campbell really consider Nebraska well that short, short answer is I don't think so but here's the thing okay you got to keep in mind here as just hilarity in the, my favorite part about the weekend outside of Iowa State ending the streak Nebraska wore throwback uniforms to 1983 and lost to a team that didn't have a football team in 1983 <laughs> Georgia Southern had a club football team in 1983 and Scott Frost got fired and got 16 million dollars to go away but here's my here's the on the Campbell stuff here's here's my thing mm-hmm. the the in, because there's still so much uncertainty in college football if this was five years ago I I don't think and, and Iowa State and Nebraska were in a similar situation I don't think Matt would even think twice about this but the fact that there is the money situation at Nebraska. There's no question Nebraska is going to be in the Big Ten, which is going to be a power conference. And the other part about this is, not to get deep into the weeds, Nebraska, because it is the only game in town, they are one of the heaviest spenders in the NIL game, mm-hmm. from, from my knowledge of the situation. They're like top 10 in college football, meaning as coaches start to look at resources, it's not going to be anymore just resources for the coach or for the facilities. A big part of this discussion going forward as involves recruiting is what are my resources in the NIL world? Because if you're not competitive there, certainly you can say all the right things like, Hey, you know, we still want to get guys that fit our culture, all this stuff. But if you don't have the resources to keep your guys going forward, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. And so I think why Nebraska may be appealing, if not to math and another coaches. Yeah. The expectations can be wild. But along with the expectations come a lot of resources. And in this NIL era, resources are going to make a difference. 
if you want to win a national championship, you have to have the NIL resources. And I would say, well, Nebraska is not Texas A&M or Ohio State or some of these huge spenders. They are going to be competitive in that arena because they are the only game in town. And those people really care. And caring enough to support to millions of dollars is going to matter in the future. Thus, why I do think Nebraska will get a very high-quality head coach going forward and why, you know, I know Iowa State has had more success than Nebraska. I've been the first to admit this. I mean, I, I can go down the stats. Iowa State's been ranked in the playoff 14 times the last five years, and Nebraska zero. Nebraska hasn't had a winning conference record in forever. But they still have 80,000 people that spend a lot of money which means they can be competitive NIL, which could then mean better resources and recruiting. Better recruiting means better players. And so, I mean, I don't want to oversimplify the thing here, but you can't just look in the, in the box now in 2022 and say, okay, well, we've been better, so there's no way Matt's going to go there. All this stuff will, will factor in. So I think what you're saying is there's a chance Matt Campbell listens. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I, don't, I think there's no I, I don't question. think there's any doubt that, that Nebraska – is going to talk to Matt Campbell. I, I would think they, might, they should. wants Matt Campbell. Yes. I, I, I believe it was Lars Anderson, I think, who reported it on on Twitter. Yes, there's there's the tweet the Matt weekend. just put up. Yep. We can, I've never I, claimed to be – think here, Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and read the tweet. Yeah, here's what Lars said. He's a reporter. It has connections. In the, I don't quite understand Lars' story. I think story, he's anyway. the guy who first reported that Frost was going to be the head coach. He was. And Hoiberg. He was. And Hoiberg. And Hoiberg. Wow. Yep. Okay. Thank you, Matt. So his, his tweet says, I've never claimed to be a breaking news person, but here we go. Iowa State head coach Matt Campbell is the primary target of Trev Alberts. Sources tell me it is highly expected. Now that's crazy. That Campbell will eventually be the next head coach of Nebraska. So that the, the, the last line there that's, is highly expected. Yeah. So is that what that could be is that the folks inside the Nebraska athletic department highly expect Campbell will take the job. That doesn't mean to me anyway, that doesn't mean that this guy is being told Matt Campbell is actually already considering this. I I think this is more the confidence that Nebraska has that they can pull the coach out of Ames to come to Lincoln. I, I listened to Trev Alberts, the full press conference he had yesterday was about 20 minutes. And he said outright, he said, you will hear, speculation you'll hear things come out and coaches names you'll hear lots of coaches names come out that doesn't mean that we're offering the job that just means we're talking to them so go ahead brent yeah no it's i mean there's no way okay there's there's no way that matt campbell has already has any type of agreement here one we've heard that he he will never address these mid-season and he doesn't have an agent that's a fact he's got a financial advisor he doesn't have an agent there's no way even if this thing, like Frost got fired yesterday, there's no way that Matt had a deal in place in the summer. Like, well, right. when we when we fire Scott Frost after we lose to Georgia Southern, then then you're going to be our guy. Like that doesn't logically that doesn't make sense. Matt would never do that anyway. And it, I think for Iowa State fans, you can have confidence in the fact that he hasn't left. Like I don't know what more the guy has to do. Like all these times, as things pop, these they pop up. He's now the second longest tenured coach in the Big Twelve. People have been claiming he's going to go somewhere else for six years now, and he hasn't. So you got to take the man for his word for now. Like I, there, I'm not saying ne- never more, to say never. Could there be a more Iowa State weekend? No. I mean, you, you no. beat Iowa, but it's because Iowa Iowa's offense is completely inept. And then you beat Iowa. Campbell finally gets over the hump, and then, well, Campbell's Campbell's going to go to Nebraska. I mean, it's you're telling me, brother. I I know, and I, I'm still. I can't. It can't get me down. It cannot rain on my parade. Still well, good. good. I, I'm I'm really happy for for you and for Iowa State fans because it has been a long time coming. I mean, there are a lot of people who hardly remember the last time Iowa State won in this series, and after the way last season went, all those expectations and a and a disappointing season. And really, not that many expectations going into this season. No votes in the AP poll, all that stuff, and nothing really being expected of this team. Yeah, and to be two and zero for the first time in a decade, Campbell. That was kind of the one thing Campbell hasn't it done is. Yep. is get off to a good start. And that's because Iowa was always there at the start of the season to to knock them down. 
and, and the year that they weren't, it was it was Louisiana who came in and and beat them in the first game. So now I think uh, they're in great position. Yeah, and I, yeah, I was going to be, be fun. It, it, we're not going to sit here on any of our podcasts and just totally, you know, give uh, give credence to every single report or tweet that comes out about Matt Campbell. That wouldn't be fair. That wouldn't be fair at all. Um, there's still 10 games in this season. Correct. Yeah, don't worry and, about it. And as you said, he's proven to be a man of his word. He has not taken the money. He has not taken the other big job. He's had a lot of opportunities, a lot of them, and he hasn't done it. So it, enjoy the season. Enjoy what's going on right exactly. now because uh, I think, uh, you know, going to beat Ohio this week and then Baylor's coming and that, 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 Jack Tri Stadium is going to be the place to be against Baylor. No question. Hey, you guys know who's enjoying it right now? Who's that? This guy. Yeah, that was, this, this <laughs> legend. Who is this guy? So is- Matt's this rolling the video of this. I, I don't know if you saw it during the broadcast or maybe on Twitter. There's this guy decked out in Iowa gear, and then the Fox camera shows him close up. He rolls up his, his Hawkeye uh, sweatshirt. He's got an Iowa State shirt underneath. He points at it and goes, shushes, shushes. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. So he's decked out in Iowa gear, but he's an Iowa State fan. What? What is? And he's he's all the people around him are Iowa fans. It, it appears. Yeah. What? I I don't know what to think about this. I mean, if you're an Iowa State fan, just wear your Iowa State stuff, right? And it's and it's not like this is before the game. No, this was with five minutes left in the third quarter. I'm legend. baffled by this. Total legend. This man is baffling to me. And it, he's got the shades on. Like, I, this guy is like the. I know Soundoff put out a tweet last night asking who, who knows this, this guy man? is. So I don't know if they've figured it out yet. But um, that's back to back Iowa games where somebody in the stands has stolen the show. I would love to see a picture of Big Daddy Hawkeye <laughs> fan Daddy. from, from week one. Where is Big Daddy now? Where, where is that? poor bastard at now i mean the way he was feeling week one with iowa up five three and then seven three what was he like Somebody check in on the big rain Day. against iowa state getting beat oh man what a what a world yeah it's so, interesting so you brought up a good point i've always heard the adage that it's always the year before or the year after you're expected to do have the have the great year is when mm-hmm. the surprise awesome year happens yeah. So last year was it's the, ha- we've seen we saw it with uh, the Cubs. The Cubs were yep. kind of did point. it a year early. Really? Yep. Um, or it could be the, the year after. So we'll see. I, I think for Iowa State, it's this is that now it gets fun because you haven't been in this position in a long time. I don't. I, I sense a different vibe around the program now, where they're like, "This is just let's just enjoy this year." Mm-hmm. Uh, last year they were super uptight, super serious all the time, right. and I think that worked to their detriment. You saw Campbell in the post game joking about coaching his sixth grade daughter's softball team. And that was his halftime speech. Like he just seems like a different guy, just having, having more fun this time around. I think that's rubbing off and yeah, you, you went, you beat Ohio, which shouldn't be a problem. And then that Baylor game, I think Iowa state may be ranked by then. It could be interesting. You know, Baylor dropped one to BYU, but there's, there's no way. I mean, Iowa state is, could be in the conversation in the big 12 as well. Oklahoma has been good. Texas was really impressive. Maybe they are back. We'll see. But uh, I think I think Iowa State can be a factor at least in the top half. And guy is ten wins out of the out of line. I, I don't know. I don't know. That'd be that'd be it'd be it'd be a fun ride. It's just not always nice as a fan when when everything's still out there. And Iowa State oh, hasn't had that uh, hasn't had that at, you know in mid and late September. Yeah, because it's been a decade since they've started two and zero. That's amazing. All yeah. the success Campbell has had, but that that was kind of the one thing he needed to do. He needed to accomplish get over that hurdle. And then get to October. See what I know they don't have Brock Purdy anymore. No more Brocktober. No more Brocktober. Decktober. Gyro Brocktober. Gyro Brock. Yeah, there you go. There you gyro go. Brock. Brock. But hey, Castle, this was fun, man. I, I appreciate yeah, it was. you. Thanks for filling in, Brent. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I do. I, I, I am happy for you guys, and you deserve to win it. And uh, I, Iowa's offense just sucks. Okay, that's 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 all I'll say. <laughs> uh, and, and on that note, go get some fairway.
Yeah, two guys named Chris presented by Fairway. And again, as we talked about at the start of the show, we, we let Brent on because his middle name really, really is, is Christopher. Chris. It's a fact. Yeah, I get Amanda Guerra, who I, I co-host yeah, with CBS she's Sports HQ. She's been wanting to come on. I said, wait, wait change your name. Maybe. Change your name. I'll accept K-R-I-S, but we're not <laughs> letting anybody, other than Matt, our producer, we're not letting anybody, anybody not name Chris, Chris. Yeah, on the I've, program. I, I've, I'm glad that I could belong at least at least for today. So right there, right? Hey, look at that. Yeah, that's, that's a fact. That's a fact. Hey. And I was born, by the way, I was born in Iowa City. A lot of people don't know that. Brent, what is it that you claim that I said to you after we both won the um, no, this, Mediacom Sports this. Announcer Wannabe so, Contest? So, so Hassel and I won the American Idol of, of Mediacom <laughs> in uh, 2005. And you were, you know, you were already like a TV professional at this time. And uh, I was not. And so you came up to me after you won for Iowa, I won for Iowa State. And you said, hey, it's nice they let high schoolers in this competition. And we're I did not say we're the, you did. We're the same age. We're the same age. It's my birthday this week. You, so now, I, I will say you did look like a high schooler. I still do. I still get carded occasionally. And I turned 38 on Wednesday. So was so I saying that like to be a dick? No, you were like, it was kind of a, like, I think you were being friendly. Like, hey, you're helping out the little high school kid for encouraging him to be, be more like you someday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I, I do not remember saying I, that. I, I really, you, I it was it may I may be over exaggerating just a tad, but it was it was interesting that you were super polished, and I'm here just like, hey, let's, let's hang out with uh, Gary Dolphin and John Walter. So that was that was an interesting day. That's a awesome great story, day. really a great story. Looking careers. back, yeah. So, but I, 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 it's fun that uh, we can do this, and, and we really do get along in real life. Just want to let everybody know that I don't hate all Iowa fans. Just FYI. No, yeah, I know my dad was like, God, what? You're doing it with Bloom? Oh, that son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, so, some, some people just don't, don't get it. You, you love, I, I, I like to troll sometimes. You do a great job. It's, it's fun. You know, it's all about the rivalry. Good fun. Yes. That's what rivalries are all about. That's why Iowa and Iowa State should play every year. That's why it should not go away. This is great. Totally agree. And then the fact that I can remind everybody, and I'll end with this, that Brian Ferentz is making nine hundred thousand dollars. It's a good day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brent. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Maddie. Here we good go. Thanks, go. guys. We'll let we'll you out on this. this. It's a cyclone state.